Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Artificial Talk, episode 27. I'm your host, Tristan, and today I have my co-host... Patrick. Alrighty. So, we have a lot of topics today, so we are just going to jump straight into it. And we're going to start with maybe one of the more boring sound ones, but I'm going to tell you right now, you're going to want to listen, because we have Oracle versus Google finally going to the Supreme Court, uh, basically to settle... A copyright infringement on some Java APIs. It's like 37 packages of code, basically. Um, which, you know, doesn't seem like it's big until you consider the fact that out of the Billions Alliance code, these these 37 actually matter a lot. It's what allowed Android to start in its fledgling days and run Java stuff. So it's interesting it's going all the way to Supreme Court. And depending on who wins this, it could actually decide the the copyrightability of code, basically. So that's a little interesting. Um, Patrick, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I, I think it's going to be a pretty big case, honestly. Well, because it's going to... This is the first time we've had really a code copyright-related case, as far as I'm aware. So I'm pretty positive this will set the preset for most other cases that arise are similar to this. Because from my understanding, it was that... Google made similar assets to what Oracle made, but like with the caveat being that Google made it from the ground up after Oracle said that they couldn't use their assets. So uh, I think it's going to be interesting because if this goes through, then that would mean that code is technically copyrightable. So under specific licenses... Like, most GitHub code wouldn't be affected, but, like, any, like, commercial code, you'd have to, like, maybe buy a license or everyone would have to, like, update their license so you aren't technically illegally using your their code, you know? And I guess that also means that you could technically, if you're, like, a comp sci student and you're coding, it means that it could, you might be able to plagiarize code now. I mean, you already can. This just means like there's a more legal definition of it now and it would be handled. I think I'd assume it's going to be handled more similarly to like, you know, plagiarizing a, an essay in your own essay or whatever. Right. So I think yeah. I I really do think that this is a massive case. And honestly, the fact that it's not really getting covered from my knowledge, like I haven't seen anything of it. Um, And the fa- also the fact that it's been in the legal system for an actual decade 10 years yeah it's mind-blowing to see that we're going to have a result especially because in my opinion i kind of would have assumed that they would have ruled in google's favor like that since google recoded everything from the ground up just to serve the same function that it's not the same code it's fundamentally different right like so yeah yeah, it just has the same functions, though. Seems to be their issue with it. And in a lot of cases, I think I think even though the code wasn't exact, I think some of it was very, like, you know, you could tell the point of it, if you know what I mean. Right, right. So, yeah, I'm kind of shocked, because I think the only reason why it's going to the Supreme Court now is because there was that, there's a, that split between two different courts, where one of them ruled in Google's favor and one of them ruled in Oracle's favor. Yep. So I am curious to see. I'm I'm like watching this with like a, a out of the corner <laughs> of my eye, you know, because this ruling can 
just change how we look at code and programs quite literally forever. Very true. And actually, so I'm going to throw one more curveball at you. You know how in uh, in IDs and all that, they have the, uh, what is it? It's a java.util, all the stuff that lets you do printout and all that sort of thing. I like that package? Think it's, I think that's right. I might be saying it wrong and everyone can get mad at me, but basically all those packages, the java.util, the java.lang, the java.numbers, like all those basic things you need to actually write Java code. Yeah. That's all included in this in this in this suit. Oh wow, really? Yeah. So if Oracle wins this, that means theoretically speaking, you might not be able to use that code on Android or uh and it might actually make it not usable on Windows unless you get a like Oracle license or something like that. Yeah, but. I mean I'm assuming that's how it's going to be play if it goes through, of course. <laughs> I'm just curious to see if Oracle, what Oracle's going to do. I'm I'm going to assume that they're going to charge money for their license, especially in a corporate setting. I'm oh, just, definitely. Like, yeah. I'm just going to assume that they're going to do what Autodesk does, where your students can use it for free. And, but then if you ever use it in a corporate setting for anything that will make you money, well, good luck. You know? So, You're going to have to pay out of the wazoo for it. So... I'm not super familiar with Git, how GitHub works in the in the world of copyright. I'm yeah, curious. Yeah, GitHub uses I think it's the MIT license, which is mm. essentially just free use, free non-commercial use. And if you are selling it, you have to contact the creator essentially and strike out a deal that way. I believe that's what the license is for any code that is under GitHub. I also think you have to upload it under that license, and if you don't, then you can't upload to GitHub or something. I, I'm I'm not super clear on what happens, but I know that like almost all of the code is like you have to you it's have like to open source. Yeah, it, the open source one. That's what I mean by the MIT license. That is essentially gotcha. what all other open source code uses. I think that's just the legal term for it. I mean, for a fact, like, all proprietary stuff that uses Java, like, just basically just doesn't exist. Actually, so this was, someone else posted a really interesting thing in relation to this. If Oracle wins this case, iOS was not actually originally written by Apple. It was based on another uh, software code that they used, but it would basically mean that iOS isn't owned by Apple anymore. Really? Yeah, because the source code for for Apple's iOS is not written by apple is written by i think it was another company or something like that and apple just uses it oh so, man <laughs> oh this could be a nightmare for companies yeah. if this passes i mean android is so many billions of lines of code they might i mean they're going to be affected by this definitely i mean not being able to use java on an android phone i don't would that affect it that badly i'm trying to think what's i don't think it'll be, affect it I don't think it'll affect it that badly. I think Google will have to rewrite a massive amount of their code, though. That's the issue. Which, especially with the current fragmentation state of Android in the first place, I'm not entirely sure that's going to be a good thing. Right. Or, or they give them a massive slap on the wrist and say, you just pay us for all the years that people were using Android phones. That would be rough. 
Like, even for a company as big as Google. Yeah, no, it would be brutal, and I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure how it would go. You you know, it kind of reminded me of, like, Article 13 from the EU, where they were basically trying to force copyright on everything. This kind of reminds me of the same way, but instead of just being everything, this is just code instead. Which... Hmm. Maybe is worse, actually. I don't know, like... Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. We're we're gonna when this I forget when this case is happening, but whenever it happens, definitely something we are gonna talk about because this could have some massive implica- uh, implica- implications, especially if you've ever used Java code or if you use an Android phone or an iPhone, for example. That whole copyright law surrounding those operating systems might entirely change. Like it's crazy. Yeah. I- I'm not sure how it's gonna work. I I'm curious. So I mean, if Google wins, I guess that just means there you're not gonna. Maybe you can copyright proprietary code, but you wouldn't be able to copyright like. I guess open. I mean, not open open source, but I I would almost say like standard code, if that makes sense. Right. Maybe. I think that. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they do. Yeah. So, we're going to be keeping an eye on that. But let's move on to something that's a little bit more, well, depending on which color you believe in, blue or red, uh, either cheerful or dreadful. AMD just released Zen 3, the much-anticipated CPU launch that is supposed to be putting AMD basically back on top. And from what they've shown... I'm going to safely say they did it on the CPU side of things easily. Um, so, okay. Uh, instead of asking what you think of CPUs, because we all like faster CPUs. Yeah. Patrick, mm-hmm. for your next laptop or desktop or whatever you buy, your next computing device all right. is going to be blue team or red team, Intel or AMD. Uh, normally I go with Intel just because the- that's what I've been on. Uh- sticking with for a while now and i back when i was actually building computers for fun and stuff i didn't really hear great things about amd and i never really looked into that ecosystem because they're so separate so but but today though but today if, if AMD i told you has, you have to build a computer <laughs> amd has a lot of stuff on their side now and it's it would be very it would be like AMD fans in the past where they kind of built their own computers that were all red because yeah. they were so loyal to the brand. If I were to build an Intel computer today, it'd be the same thing because there's no reason why you want to get AMD unless you're just loyal to the Intel brand, really. Like, I don't see a point in going for Intel if you're going for good specs. Because personally, so that- yeah, no, personally, yeah. if I were building a gaming computer, I just I throw a Zen three in there and just see what all the compatible stuff there is. I I wouldn't. I don't think I'd give it a second thought, really. All right. I I mean, I'm pretty much the same boat as you, but I am curious. So on the laptop side of things, AMD's been a lot slower in the adoption rate of you know right. laptops. Yeah, yeah. Would you buy an AMD laptop instead of an Intel laptop? If it offers good specs, yes. But good, okay. at the moment. 
I haven't really seen them offering any laptops, so I, I'm going to be the G14. Hmm? The G14 from, uh, I think it's Asus. Really? There's an actual AMD laptop out there. It's AMD laptop. It's as powerful. It's a mid-range laptop, so, you know, it's got some of those mid-range specs, but also it's got that 10-hour battery life as a gaming laptop. That's which is... pretty good. And I mean, that's just one. We haven't seen any of their ultra, you know, their ultrabook chips or anything like that. That's been the one that's hit the headlines, though. Right, right, right. So, so mm. and I mean, for what you're getting from these chips, though, all of them, the base level even starts at six cores, got 12 threads, and it goes up to 4.6 gigahertz as its boost clock. I mean, all the way up to, I think it's 16 cores and 32 threads. Like, and, and the pricing, three, starting at $300. Yeah, that's crazy. That's it, it's a, it's not a bad deal at all, dude. No, I mean considering Intel used to charge for the i three, I think what how much were they charging for the i three? Was it two hundred? I think was what they were charging. That for? That sounds Something? about right. Yeah, I think I paid about three to four hundred for my CPU, which was an i yeah. five. So yeah, and you didn't you didn't even get you didn't even get uh, hyper threading on i five back in. Before was it Ace Gen, I think. Yeah, I think I got this forty four hundred K. Yeah, it's old, old stuff. So no, there's no way. I don't even remember <laughs> hearing the word hyperthread back in those days. So you had an i seven, you had hyperthreaded, and that was basically the the theme of that game. Yeah. Which, but I mean, these prices, I mean, going from 300 and I think the highest is 800 for, in, in the consumer level, there is, of course, Threadripper and all that, but that's not so much for consumers, that's more for uh, workstation, you know, if you're doing video editing, things like that, where you need that power, but in the consumer side of things, it goes up to 800 and you're still getting a chip that I would argue is probably the best bang for the buck, especially compared to Intel's i9, which is just quite frankly, it just looks like a bad value now. It doesn't look good. Yeah. Um, so, but I think at this point, I think we both agree. If you're building a computer today, you're going AMD. Um, with the exception, I will say, they're, so Big Nobby, their GPU lineup hasn't launched quite yet as of this recording. Mm. I don't... Okay, so let, let me get your perspective on it first. What are, what are your thoughts? Do you, how do you think Big Nobby is going to be when they launch it? Especially compared to NVIDIA's 3000 series. Uh, by Big Navi, what are you referring to? I haven't kept up with this. Yeah, it's like they're, they're, that's what they're naming their their architecture for GPUs. Oh, it's the GPU architecture. Okay, I was yeah. like confused because I just, I keep hearing about graphics cards. So I'm used to hearing like, you know, <laughs> the, you know, the 3000 series and stuff. So, hmm, I, it'll be interesting to see what they do because AMD has always kind of been fascinating to me because they're, if you ever did an Intel build, Intel doesn't make mm -hmm. graphics cards, but AMD makes both. So what's going to be interesting to see if they're going to end up making, like, their, if their architecture is going to be better than NVIDIA's or not. And if it is, that'll be massive. Like, just because if AMD can knock out the competitors, because, okay, Intel is uh, very quickly fading from consumer side Good. eyes yeah. in terms of like enthusiast gaming computer stuff 
I'm sure we'll see them in laptops for years and years to come. I don't think they're going to drop out of existence that fast. No, definitely not. But considering how fast they've dropped out of the computer enthusiast thing, I'm a little concerned for NVIDIA if the big Dobby <laughs> comes out to be really good. Like, I'm not... It, well, it'll also be interesting because maybe since AMD has a lot of, like, has the same architecture, or sorry, since AMD is the same company, the GPU architecture mm-hmm. could interact directly with the CPU architecture. Oh, that that's actually a very good point. I didn't think about, yeah, you could have them link up in a way and sort of... Yeah, I think there's already yeah. some of that, but since they're the same company and they're producing both of these things and they both have access to each other's code and it would not be an issue to have the teams work together as much as it would be for NVIDIA and Intel to work together. Right. And I mean, now we're seeing Intel building out their GPU. Well, maybe. Not sure. Nobody seems to know much about that. But um, NVIDIA bought ARM. So I am curious if they ever come out and they're like, hey, we have, you know, a CPU or maybe not a CPU, but maybe like a uh, an extra processor of some sort that could basically help your cpu and your gpu interact better now that they own that whole architecture basically um i mean it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting next i think next year is gonna be one of the most interesting times to see what these three companies do because they are such monoliths in the industry and actually even qualcomm qualcomm is getting to the point now where they might actually start replacing laptop chips which will be very interesting uh i mean we we are in the true we are in the chip the chip wars now it's no longer the streaming wars it's the chip wars which doesn't sound technology related in the slightest <laughs> but it is yeah yeah it, huh yeah i didn't know qualcomm was looking to take a uh, stand in the, the, the laptop market. Uh, always on PCs. Oh, okay. That makes a bit more sense. I like, like Apple's pushing in the direction they want everything to be ARM chips in all their stuff, basically. And we Windows, uh, we these are topics later down the list, but you know, let's kind of go into them a little bit here. When Microsoft also seems like maybe they want to also push into that ARM market. Um, because they have the Surface Pro X V2 now. I don't know if they put a 2 on that end, but which is their ARM-based Surface, and it seems like ARM is the direction a lot of these manufacturers are pushing for their portable devices now, um, which neither AMD nor Intel is does anything with ARM. They tend to be x86. I don't, in my knowledge... I think Intel has done ARM maybe once with Atom. Correct me if I'm wrong there. I forget. And I don't think AMD, to my knowledge, has ever done anything with ARM. Hmm. So, I don't know. Do you think, like, okay, so Qualcomm makes ARM chips. uh, NVIDIA makes ARM chips with the Tegra series of stuff. And Apple, of course, with their A series, the Apple Silicon chips. 
So do you think in the laptop market, specifically not the desktop so much, because I think desktop is going to stay x86, but do you think in the laptop market, we're basically going to kill x86 outside of like workstation machines? Outside of like workstation machines? Hmm. Yeah. Like Ultrabooks and even like those 15 inch notebooks that are more portability focused rather than power focused. Yeah. I think we might be able to kill off. I think it's possible. That would be that would be such an interesting like think about that. What is that going to do to like Intel and AMD, Especially, particular Intel, since Intel is so that is one of their biggest markets is laptops, right? Um, like, outside of a yeah, yeah, no, Go it's going to be insane because if x eighty six kind of dies off, what what is Intel going to do? I don't know if there's anything they can do at this point in time because. Like, they're already falling behind in the CPU stuff because they didn't really innovate and they just kind of stayed the same because they were better than their competitor. Yeah. And it's not like they really have the time or the energy or the resources since they're falling behind now to keep up with a change in the laptop market, you know? It's going to be hard. Yeah. I mean, even even in... Even if Tiger Lake, because Tiger Lake seems to be the one they're really pushing for, or is it Rocket Lake now? I don't know what it's called, but the the next gen, the 11th gen stuff of Intel is supposed to boost their graphics to a point it's actually competing with like the MX stuff from NVIDIA at least. But, and, and, and their CPU stuff is supposed to change a little bit. It's supposed to be a, little, a lot more like ARM structure in a sense. Mm. But I don't see them at least for a little bit making a comeback especially since amd is just sort of king right now amd came back dr lisa sue the ceo of amd has really she's created a a monster of a company to be honest which is great we like to see that competition it forces everyone to be a little bit better Mm -hmm. but i don't know i i'm it's we're at a point now where intel is hurting in the consumer market nvidia doesn't seem like they seem like they care but they're kind of just flexing right now you know especially with the 3090 and all that yeah i think like nvidia in my eyes it's kind of like um they definitely care and they're definitely trying to keep making better and better products it's not like intel where they kind of just stagnated nvidia legitimately feels like they're putting an effort forward to make better graphics cards instead of just upping specs a little bit as you know like with the 3090s they just came out swinging so i think nvidia is taking them pretty seriously they're just not super concerned about it because no. amd has not their graphics cards are okay they're I mean, not okay, so... bad <laughs> but they're not the 3090s that's what i'm trying to say I mean, let me ask you, what was the last card AMD released in the graphics side of things that you can remember? Yeah, I never looked into this, so <laughs> I'm not sure. Yeah, so that's a AMD. I, I think, if I remember correctly, the last one was like a Vega card or something like that. Oh, man. But they, uh, they kind of abandoned it like halfway through last year, I think, because I stopped hearing about it after like they released it Mm. so not feeling particularly great about amd's graphics division right now 
yeah. I mean, I'm sure they have some amazing people there, but oh yeah, same. Uh, I'm sure they. I'm sure that they're actually trying. Yeah, because a- AMD would love to have like be like an actual competitor to Nvidia. Like, I'm I'm sure I'm sure that they are trying to get there. They just haven't uh just haven't really hit that mark. Yeah, and Nvidia right now, anyway, seems like they're so far ahead of anyone else. Like I was gonna say, Intel's making their own GPU. I guarantee you, it's not even gonna be close to on par with any of Nvidia's stuff. Um, AMD's tried in the past few years to make something that competes with Nvidia, and it's just fallen flat, basically for the most part. Mm-hmm. And and I mean, ARM chips basically don't even. Even in the actually, even in I was gonna say even in ARM though, uh, Nvidia's Tegra is surprisingly powerful for like a a mobile chip basically. Mm. I mean, outside of Apple's, uh, what do you call it? Apple's silicon chips, there really hasn't been another chip that's been as powerful as Nvidia's Tegra. Qualcomm's are not bad, but they're just not the same level. Yeah, um, if you remember, like the Nvidia, the Nvidia Shield. Portable mm-hmm. and tablet, not the TV thing. Right. I mean, I mean, no, yeah. Go I mean, ahead. pretty. Fi- I'm pretty positive that the shields were decent enough as a tablet. They weren't like amazing, but like, if you need a spare tablet nowadays, it'll do the job. I mean, I used to, I used to have that tablet. Actually, I love that tablet. Yeah. I mean, it's a nice size. Yeah, no, it's great size. The speakers were great. It was pretty fast too. It, like, it, Android tablets are not known for being <laughs> particularly good. It was an okay tablet. I'll give it. I'll give it. If I had to give it a rating, I'd say it was like a seven out of ten. You know. Yeah. If you have the pen, maybe a little higher. Yeah. It wasn't bad. But I don't know. I, I with this AMD launch, though, I think Intel might. Be the new AMD from if you remember five years ago where AMD was, I think we're flipping the script now. Yeah. For like first time, yeah, 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 very long time. I would agree. I think the I think the tables have turned, and yeah, I really, I I actually the way you put it was so perfect because <laughs> I legitimately think Intel was in the same spot that AMD was in five years ago because you didn't really make an AMD build. No. In 2015. If you did that, that just meant that you were like an enthusiast and you wanted to support a small up-and-coming kind of brand that didn't have a lot of power. It was cheaper, too. But, you know, you kind of knew Intel's better and, like, I just, you're just like, you know, just kind of want to support Red. But now it's... <laughs> the opposite it's like yeah amd's better but like i've used intel for a long time so even though they're better i kind of want to support blue it's the exact same thing yeah now you're back (laughs) but speaking of amd patrick did you know both xbox and playstation 5 use amd chips oh do they really they do. So oh. AMD wins regardless of what side of gaming you go on. PC, PlayStation, Xbox. It's all AMD. It's all AMD now. And now we wow. know for a fact because Sony opened up a PlayStation 5 and basically did like an iFixit style teardown of their console. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, all right. 
in the past, I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of give some context. I'm gonna ask you a question. In the past, when we had presentations of the new Xbox, the new PlayStation, you know, you had the big crowd, you're at E3 or your own Sony event, depending on who you are, and you kind of were like, oh, look at our new console, it's really mm-hmm. cool, it got to the reviewers, sometimes they tear down, sometimes they didn't. And the approach to this year seems to be Xbox, kind of just throwing it, be like, hey, look, we got these two Xboxes, actually got leaked, and then they just kind of threw everything out, but regardless, basically they were like, hey, look, we got new consoles, Xbox, really cool looking, yeah, you love it. PlayStation came out, uh, Sony was like, look at this, we got the PlayStation, and they're like, but actually, now we're going to do a teardown. Let me ask you, how are you feeling about the PlayStation and the Xbox? Or, or, we'll start with one. How do you feel about the PlayStation first? With the teardown, with the attitude the company has, what, what, how are you feeling? Yeah, that gives me, like, really high hopes for the PS5. Like, it might look like a router. But the fact that they were willing to tear it down for an event is kind of insane, especially because you're not supposed to tear down your consoles like that voice warranty and stuff. Yep. So stickers. Yeah. So, I mean, since Sony did an actual tear down and I'm assuming you said it was like an iFixit tear down. So I'm assuming they're showing you where all the screws are like, oh, they put it all on the table for you. Like uh, iFixit. Everything's on the table. Everything's out. Yeah. No secrets. Yeah. So that is gives me very high hopes for the PS5. It's because like, yeah, even the PS1 had like stickers for like not opening it and stuff. So I I just I'm just excited because no company has ever <laughs> done a teardown before, and it's kind of mind blowing to see that a company would do that. So, okay. And then, yeah, I'm assuming you're gonna ask me what do I think about the Xbox, Xbox their presentation, or all that. I mean, it's a standard presentation. I'm not gonna think of them any less. I'm just not gonna think of them as an as high of a light or as high of a pedestal as I'm putting Sony on. I'm just gonna put them on the standard one, you know. Mm. Sony is like just insane, you know. Like, wow, that's like incredible. And then Xbox is just like. Yeah, you know, that's that's normal. This is what I was expecting. I wasn't expecting you to, like, do anything insane with it. You know, show off maybe your new Kinect because the Xbox is going to have some sort of weird device that goes with it, probably. Yeah, trust in peace, Kinect. No one really misses you. (laughs) Nobody misses Kinect. You were so stupidly overpowered for what you were. Oh, my gosh. I will give the Xbox credit. It had some features that were really cool and ahead of its time. But a lot of the... Just, I'll just call it, There's stupid things they did with the Xbox One. was just not great. The DRM for physical disc. like, And the fact that... Honestly, there's, there just weren't enough games. Yeah, no. Just, that's, that's what killed it for me. There were no games for it, really. Because, like, so, what am I going to play on my Xbox One? Nothing. What am I going to play on my PS4? Oh, I can play a lot of things on my PS4. <laughs> I remember, like, play. I do remember Sony being kind of a little bit, uh, a little bit grippy though. With like, if you had Fortnite, they didn't let you transfer your account from PlayStation to like PC or Nintendo Switch. I think PlayStation ha- had to have like its own account, and it was locked in once you walked in. Yeah, that is correct. PlayStation didn't yeah. have that kind of fiasco going for it. 
but okay so here's now now i want you think about this you're in a vacuum you know okay you've never had a playstation you've never had an xbox and these two consoles come out and you're like man i really want to get a console this year you're looking at the game stream from Microsoft. You're looking at, you know, the exclusives that PlayStation has, plus that really fast SSD, which it looks really nice. Which console, and actually, you've got two, you got the cheap console, you got the more expensive console. I guess we'll start, who would you go for first, Xbox or PlayStation? Probably PlayStation. You go PlayStation? Yeah, I mean... It just looks like a better deal overall. I mean, to be fair, I haven't heard a lot of hype for Xbox. And just based off of the two presentations, the Sony one comes off as much more confident. And it's they're just they're just like, okay, here's our console. Like they know what they're selling. Whereas the Xbox one comes off as a little bit less confident. They they know that they're selling a good product. But they're not comfortable enough to show you the innards. Mm. That's the kind of vibe that I'm getting with that. With literally just a teardown. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That's if the teardown fair. wasn't there, I'd still probably say Sony just for lineup reasons, and you know, mm. it's not a mini fridge. <laughs> but like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's still time to change though for yeah. Xbox. I. I think that Xbox can come back. They just have to have a good lineup. But now, what if you consider that Microsoft owns Bethesda and Obsidian, for the matter? That doesn't really change my mind, I'm going to be honest. All those exclusives, though, that were I know. PlayStation exclusives. I know, that is the issue, is that they're going to be all exclusive now. If you want to play Skyrim or any of the Elder Scrolls on Sony, you can't really. <laughs> I mean, we're we're hitting we're hitting that point. I hmm. See, that's a tough one. I and especially I I actually like the point you made. The both the PlayStation cheaper and the more expensive one can do 4K 60 straight off the bat. Yeah. The Xboxes, the cheaper one can't do 4K. It could do 1440p. And the more expensive one can do 4K 60, but then it's six hundred dollars. And that means $300 more than the cheaper Xbox. So, I mean, I mean, if I, I'm going to throw my first opinion. If I, if I had to choose, I would probably go Xbox. Specifically because of game stream. Mm-hmm. Because you get all those games, you rent it, you can play it on PC, or you could play it on your Xbox, and you don't have to really think about it. Like, but... I, I'm actually, I think this console war is going to be very interesting. Yeah, no, like, it's going to be insane. I mean, I, it already I, is. I mean, I wonder who wins this one. Like last year, like 360 era with the PlayStation 3, uh, Microsoft killed it easily. Yeah. They had 360 killed it. And then, then the following year, we had the PlayStation 4 and the Xbox One where Sony smashed Microsoft. I don't know if it's going to be as clear-cut this time, though. We might actually have, like, that division of, look, these both these companies make great products, and they're actually going to compete and make you think about the console you're buying. Yeah, I think we're going to hit that point in time, too. I, I, I don't... I really do not think that this is, like, 
going to be a this person just knocked it out of the park unless unless exclusives are not good that is like the mm. only thing that can change this right now because right now if nothing else changed and they released it'd be very neck and neck but say I mean, like one of the consoles gets an exclusive and it just throws everything out of balance like that is a big possibility yeah, I mean, especially it, we're in a weird, we're entering that weird age now where exclusives on consoles might not exist. Microsoft's buying all these game studios so that, for all intents and purposes, they just want to be on every platform. Even if you buy like a PlayStation game, you might be actually buying a Microsoft game for PlayStation, which is weird. Uh, it's kind of it's strange it's kind of funny it's kind of going opposite for pc though because epic games is making that splash with you know against steam and the windows store and all that mm-hmm. but we're kind of entering it's weird we're flipping script again consoles are getting less exclusive because you can get more games on them from every platform and pc is kind of going back to where now every store has going to have its own exclusives and also AMD versus Intel and all that. Granted, I think AMD's clear cut pretty much won that. But I don't know. It's going to be, I don't know, it's going to be a fun one. I think this is going to be fun to watch and see which console performs better, even if it's just slightly better than the other. Yeah, it'll be very fascinating to watch that. Yeah. But, all right, we're going to go ahead, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. And we are back, and all good news must come to an end. Now we're going to talk about Regal Theatres shutting down across all the U.S. and the U.K. Man, who, like, pandemic has basically destroyed a lot of things. The theater experience is one of those things, like, like, Patrick, think about this for a second. There's an entire generation who might just not have theaters for a little bit. They won't have the theater experience, they won't have that, that speaker, the speaker setup, the big IMAX screens, like, that just won't exist for some kids in this generation, as of right now. And for the scene-defined future, basically, at this point. Right. I mean, we still do have movie theaters. Do not get us wrong. True. Movie theaters still do exist. I do not think the the Texas Alamo or whatever it is, like the very fancy movie place in Texas or whatever, I don't think they're going out of business. But Regal is such a massive chain that it's shutting down is going to be massive. (laughs) And I'm... I don't know. I'm conflicted. I knew this would happen eventually. Someone Okay, yeah, something had to give here, right? Like, movie theaters weren't doing exponentially well before this all hit. You know, they're still doing pretty good. Like, it wasn't a bad business. No. It's just, like, streaming was starting to take its hold, right? Like, people would just stream movies instead of going out to see a movie, right? Because, like... Yeah. If you don't want to leave your house, you don't want to leave your house. You can watch a movie inside? Okay, sick. Although, with that point being said... It's interesting that movie theaters didn't really take any hit from like red boxes popping up. But anyways, that's kind of a <laughs> that's kind of a tangent. Um, no, uh, with streaming, that streaming became super popular. So like, 
I kind of could see this coming. It doesn't make it any less hard to hear it go. No. And I, I mean, I'll oh, go ahead. Sorry. I mean, cut you off. About, and about people just not knowing, not having that movie theater experience. Yeah, it will kind of suck. I mean, yeah. it, there is a certain thing about seeing a movie in a theater that is just different from, you know, watching it on the television. But I'd argue oh, that, God. like, I'd argue that you could just have your own setup. I'd argue that maybe seeing it on a projector would be enough to have that quote-unquote movie theater experience. You get all the popcorn, all the candies and all that. And just yeah. Get everyone together. It might be a substitute. But substitutes I mean, are never the same thing as the real deal. It's true. And I mean, considering, like, just to put this in perspective for everyone who may not know how big Regal is, Regal is the second largest movie theater chain in the United States yep. behind AMC. Yeah. And they basically said 536 of our locations are going to close. And. Uh, that's and, and in total, that's about 7,000 movie screens that are all just sh- shut down, basically, for the foreseeable future, which is crazy. Like, I, you know, and I, 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 I see what you're saying. I think that'd be really cool if you could build your own movie setup, like with a projector and you have like maybe you get like you invest in something like a popcorn maker and you just make your own home popcorn, sprinkle some of that weird popcorn spice stuff that they sell. I think you make it work, but I I agree. I don't think you're gonna get that same that same experience of like going into a theater, looking at the massive screen. You know, if you're watching whatever you're watching, it is interesting though. We're starting to see like uh, recently we had Mulan appear on Disney Plus uh, without going to screen first, which is really weird. Or uh, actually, the first one that did it, uh, Trolls World Tour, which people seemed to love and it made quite a bit of money just from streaming i like i do question like you know how much longer can like amc for example hold out with such a limited capacity and you know nobody going to movies obviously because of a pandemic right now right i i am curious well how much bigger is amc than uh, regal I last that I like well from what I know, they're almost neck and neck. I'm actually not sure. I yeah I don't know compared to uh, to Regal. Yeah, because I'm gonna say like if they're neck and neck, like I think they're we might be seeing most movie theaters shut down potentially. And I mean, of right. no fault to the movie theater, you just can't stick people into close quarters really even with masks it's not great which is interesting to think about just because if you've ever been to a grocery store recently yeah which tight tight (laughs) situations with random strangers who may or may not be wearing masks not fun so AMC has about 661 theaters in the United States at the moment and 244 theaters in Europe. Okay, wow, wow that is massive. That's a lot. Like, like, to put this in perspective, Regal is actually owned by another company from Europe who's bigger in Europe. But AMC, this is just AMC, which is insane. Right. I can't imagine they have that big of a 
you know, they, I can't imagine they're not going to last forever under these conditions. Though. No, there's Even no way. Exercise. There's no, no way. No business can just stay like, <laughs> okay, we're good. When I we don't need any more money, <laughs> we can just so, okay. sit there. AMC and Regal, for the matter, are obviously not going to take this line down, though. Well, hopefully they don't take it line down. If they do, that's a whole other issue. But do you think that they're going to have like they're going to try to go for an alternative way to watch movies, like bring back drive-in theaters, or I don't know, have like I don't, an outside theater? I don't really know how they would do that. But do you think they're going to try something else to get people to watch movies? I with- honestly would not be surprised. I'm just surprised we haven't seen anything like that yet. You think they'd be on that? Like, yeah, we need to jump in. <laughs> like, I mean, to be fair, I'm not sure how they would do that given their current equipment. That's true, though. You need massive movie screens for drive-in theaters, right? And like the screens they yeah. have in movie theaters are massive, but the drive-in movie theater ones are even larger, from what I remember. And then like outdoors one, it's just kind of like the whole issue of. How are they going to get equipment to do that out there? And I think that's why we haven't seen anything yet. I'm sure they've thought of this. There's no way that the Regal and AMC would just kind of lie down like this and take it. Unless that's their only option. It's possible. Maybe they, as you said, they weren't doing super well pre-pandemic. I wonder if they're at a position where they just can't move, basically. They're almost stuck in quicksand and, you know, it was just... COVID basically came down and crushed them almost, in a sense. Yeah, I would not be surprised if that was the case. I really would not. Man. It is... Again, I honest, there's a lot of people in a generation right now that just can't experience movie theaters. Like, their whole lives, they're basically, you know, depending on how long this pandemic goes, they might just be on tablets or watching TV as their only experience for movies. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I don't know if there's any other way for them to experience a movie. Yeah. But, alright, so that's our our sad news for the day. Let's move on to new products that I think, we're just going to kind of lump these all together because I think they're all cool individually, but to break them down uh you know i think there's a little more time since most of these are brand new but we got apple silicons and max rumored to come out in november we'll kind of come back to that one we've got surface go surface laptop go good lord their naming schemes not great and the surface pro x v2 i guess if you want to call it that and we've got the pixel 5 and the samsung s20 fe edition that's a lot of products it is so I'm going to kind of, I'll put Apple Silicon and the Surface Pro X last because I think they're the most interesting products in this lineup. Mm-hmm. So, Surface Laptop Go, though, is a 12.5-inch laptop that starts with 4 gigabytes of RAM. Yeah. <laughs> I, I saw some of this stuff, and I was so, so disappointed by that. <laughs> it starts at, like, $400, right? Yeah, four hundred dollars with four gigabytes of RAM, really? It's a little rough. That's okay. I'm running on eight gigabytes <laughs> of RAM for my laptop currently. I've been thinking of upgrading to sixteen gigabytes since I got the thing. There's no way that you're going to be able to have me use four sing like just four gigabytes of RAM. <laughs> There's no way. I, 
I think the standard, if you're a... It starts at 550, actually, which is... Oh, ooh. my... Oh. So, so let's just talk about this right now. Okay. You have a gigabyte RAM. What would you say is should be the, def- the default configuration for a laptop that is above $500? Eight gigabytes. Eight gigabytes Eight should gigabytes. probably be minimum. I would say once you start hitting closer to 600, which is what I paid for this one, like 600, 700, mm-hmm. you, should, you should have 16. So what if I told you that this laptop goes to $900 and you get up to 8 gigabytes and that's the last bit? See, that just hurts. I know why it's more expensive, but it doesn't make it hurt any less. Like, no, I... oh my gosh, dude. It's just like, this is such a, this is a product that I would love to upgrade to for my current laptop. Well, because like having right. a tablet, but it's also a Windows computer is kind of nice. Especially because it doesn't have like two screens. Right. So this is just the this is the laptop. This oh, is clamshell only. Hold on, let me look this up real quick. I think I might be thinking yeah. of the wrong thing. You're thinking of the Surface Go, which is why the naming scheme for this is awful. This is the Surface Laptop Go. Oh my! Oh, <laughs> you love that naming scheme? Oh, I thought we were talking about the Go. I was like, I can understand why the Go has like no RAM in it because it has two screens on it. Nope, this is the Surface Laptop Go, which is basically a normal laptop, 12.5 inches, starts 4 gigs of RAM though, which, you know, in this day and age, 8 should be the standard. If you're really a laptop person, you're going for 16, get that. I, like, I'll, I'll be clear, this is a great looking laptop, and I think if you were looking for a small, easy, portable laptop from a reputable company, this is the laptop to go to. Straight up. Really? But, huh. yes. But you're not going for the 4 gig version, straight off the bat. That's just not so... Like, like this, you know, this is how I look at this laptop. This laptop, to me, is more reminiscent of a Chromebook, where you're using Edge or Chrome or whatever, more than you're using the hardware of the computer itself, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I, I understand. So, that, that's the way I look at this laptop, and I think if that's what you're looking for, but you need Windows, because let's say you're running uh, a corporate program of some sort, or you're out of college and you need access to student stuff that might only work on Windows, Yep. I think this is a great laptop for that. Yeah. I don't like, it's only started with 8 gigs of RAM, though, or uh, it's only starting at 4, which is bad. That's just it's bad. It's just so bad. It's like, okay, I can understand small form factor. Yeah. I can get behind that. But, net, I love but netbooks yeah. died so fast <laughs> that I don't think it's in the lexicon of most Americans. Why are you following in their footsteps? Like, I don't understand that part of this. And I will say, this is a, a really beautiful laptop. Like, again, if this was, mm-hmm. if they had a 16 gigabyte model, or heck, if the 8 gigabyte model was cheaper than 900 bucks or whatever. You go for it. I would go for it. That would be my upgrade from my current laptop. Because I am looking for maybe a new one. Well, mm. yeah. So, I am kind of in the market a little bit. I mean, I'm not going to make any purchases soon. But, I'm keeping an eye out. This is not something that would be on my list of potentially two buys in a year or two. Yeah. It's like... It's you a are, hard sell if you know what you're looking for. Sell. I understand where you're coming from because a lot of students do need windows, especially like in a college setting. Like if I was on, if I was on 
Linux? No help. You are in no, no man's land. You are on your own. You running Mac? You have a bit more leeway because there are so many Mac users out there, but you're still kind of in no man's land, you know? You're using Windows. Yeah. Everyone knows how to use Windows because Windows is kind of the default operating system as is. Yeah. And it's like when teachers tell you how to do stuff, they're going to tell you to do it on Windows unless they themselves are on a Mac. And even then, a lot of times their work... Yeah. yeah. Like, it's it's one of those very... And I, we'll come... Again, we're going to the Mac later down the line here. But the sir, the server lots would go to me. It comes off as a Chromebook... Like, but it's interesting because it has a it has a fingerprint scanner, so you're getting biometric security for even 550, which is kind of amazing, honestly. Yeah, we haven't really seen Windows Hello at a price that low, and it looks like a really good laptop. It just in the specs just need a little bit of a bump, and I think I would I I would be sold on them. I'd say you know what, if you're looking for a small portable laptop, you don't need that much power. I'll power to you. I think it's a great laptop, but yeah. I think. I, but what you're saying too, honestly, it's not a great spec, and it's right now. It's really, especially if you know what you're. I, I have a feeling a lot of people are going to buy this laptop at the base spec because it is such a low price and it's coming from Microsoft. And then I think they might they might start trying to use it and they'll open up more than twenty tabs and all of a sudden their world falls apart real fast. Yeah. Like just, Dying. That's just how it's gonna go. Yeah, I mean, again, if if my mom was like, "I need a new laptop," I would recommend mm-hmm. getting the nine hundred dollar one for her because you know she yeah. wants a small laptop. This works perfectly. I just think like for any other perfect because again, my mom's a very she doesn't use the laptop to like do anything crazy. She's not gonna be editing videos yeah. or photos or anything. She's going to be opening up her browser. She's going to be opening up Microsoft Word, basic tasks. This laptop yep. is perfect for her. But for yeah. any other use, you know, like I don't, I just don't understand why they would go for this niche. I'm just struggling. To- I think for students, I, the only thing I can think of is if you're a student, or maybe more of you're part of a uh, court, you're an office worker corporation. You know, they wanted to get you a cheap laptop. It works with all their stuff. This not, might not be a bad sell. I see. That's the only two I can think of off the top of my head, though. If I'm going to be be honest. Yeah. But speaking of low specs, let's move on to phones. So Pixel Five and Samsung S20 FE edition. So you have a Samsung. I do. I've got an iPhone. Mm-hmm. But I kind of. I'm going to be honest. That Samsung phone's looking a little. We'll start, okay, we'll start with the Pixel. Pixel is an interesting device. It is the first, uh, it's hard to call it a Pixel flagship because it doesn't have a flagship processor in it. Really? Yeah, it, so it has the, the I guess it's, you can call it the mid-range processor. It has a 765G instead of the 865, is it plus, whatever they're calling it now, Snapdragons, whatever they're calling it. Mm-hmm. So... This is, and it starts at, I believe the Pixel 5 starts at $700, which is cheaper than last year's Pixel 4, which kind of crashed and burned. No, it didn't just kind of, it crashed and burned really hard. They stopped producing it like two months ago because of how badly it crashed and burned. But, so I'm curious, Patrick. Mm -hmm. 
Have you ever thought about getting the Pixel? No. Okay. <laughs> Just straight up, no. I have never been... For, for the price of the Pixel, I have no reason to jump over to that phone. I might as well. fair. Like, there has to be a reason behind me getting a phone, and I'm very price-oriented, so... Mm. I do not see any worse in the Pixel than I do in my Samsung's. I am I'm used to Samsung's ecology, so that's part of the reason why I stuck with it. But when I got my Samsung 8, I didn't want an 8. I wanted a Note 7, and then they started blowing up. So I got an 8. And they didn't produce a oh. Note 8. They just jumped to the 9. Right. So I got a Note 9. <laughs> they kind of just ignored the fact that numbers count. Yeah, so like, but that's what I'm trying to, like... For me, the reason why Samsung phones have had that value to me that the Pixel phones haven't is because I've always wanted the stylus, the S Pen or whatever. Oh, I see. That adds enough value to where the price tag makes it worth it. I don't really see that in the Pixel. It has an amazing camera. Hmm. But that's not enough to win me over in terms of a phone. I mean, like... You don't want the one-trick pony. I don't want a one-trick pony. I want something that can run well. If the camera's kind of worse, the camera's kind of worse. I don't really care all that much, you know? Entirely fair argument. Like, I'm, I'm using it more as an actual computing device rather than a camera. <laughs> I would prefer that the specs are better before I go out and purchase it, you know? So, now, let me introduce you to the Samsung S20 Fan Edition that does have the flagship processor. And all, and you know, pretty decent cameras, Samsung phone, so you know what you're getting into. And at the same time, OLED display, all the normal specs you'd find in a normal S20, but it has a plastic back. And it starts at $700. Same, around the same as Pixel. How does that proposition sound to you? That sounds slightly better. How do you feel about the plastic back? Though so I'm curious about this. I am way more in favor of a plastic back than a glass one. I know that is really? very contrary to most people, but I prefer it. What? Uh, what's your? Okay, I'm curious. What's your? Uh, what's your reasoning? I don't need to buy a new phone if I drop it, and it will not be oh. impossible for people to open. Like it'll That's still true. be hard because we like seamless design now. It'll still be very hard to open a phone. But have you seen how to open up any glass-backed phone? You oh, need the like glues. specialized. <laughs> you need specialized hardware. You need a vacuum heater or whatever they are, where they basically vacuum suck all the air out and they heat it up so that way the adhesive comes off just enough so you can lift off the back of the case. That just doesn't do it for me. And it's also like glass is nice because it's it has a very nice shine to it. And it's very luxurious. There's no grip mm-hmm. there, though. And well, yeah, unless it's uh, what you would call frosted, right? But even then, it's still it's like yeah. Eh. So those are the that's like the main reason why. And then also, I feel it. I feel like it reduces cost, right? Yeah. So so if you're paying for a phone with a plastic bag, it'll probably be cheaper than one with a glass bag. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So it's kind of like no doubt about that. It gives you more bang for your buck. With all that being said, I don't <laughs> know why they would go for a plastic bag on this. I, yeah, like you said, it's a seven hundred dollar phone, right? 
Yeah, it starts at six ninety nine is their starting price. At that price range, I am unsure why there is no boss back. I mean, yeah, because I mean, as there you got the one pluses that are all glass back there, with or without wireless charging, depending on which pro or non pro you're looking at. You've got the you got even actually you even have Apple with the iPhone 11 sitting at six hundred or uh, seven hundred dollars and six hundred dollars for the matter, both with glass back. Even the SE has a glass back. Mm-hmm. And the S10e, which is now cheaper than this phone, has a glass back. Yeah. It is it it is a little strange. I, I yeah I don't. I I wonder. Do you think this is maybe it's not a full cost reduction thing? Maybe it's they're trying to do something with this, or maybe they're trying to bring back a style for some reason. Edit. Maybe, or it could just be that. They wanted or is it for, that big of a cost saving? Uh, I don't know if it'd be that much of a cost saving, honestly. They, I mean, hmm. I mean, the S twenty. Okay, so let's think. I guess like let's look at the S twenty. The S twenty line is they start at a thousand dollars straight off the bat. Yeah. So this is basically like a three hundred dollar difference. I don't know if that glass is worth three hundred dollars though. I'm gonna I am also struggling to see that as well. I do think that Hmm. It's very interesting to think about. Where did that three hundred dollars go? I don't know. Because the... glass is expensive. Do not get me wrong. Glass is glass very is... expensive. I would expect for at least a hundred or two hundred dollars to go off, right? But then that also right. leaves another one hundred to two hundred dollars of where's the price cut? What happened? Maybe. I mean, this like, one has 5G too. Yeah, it's it's very bizarre. <laughs> I'm just thinking, like, this know. phone is based off of another phone, which is considered kind of a luxury phone, right? Like, right. It's really it's expensive. Their it's their high end. Why would you take that model and make it a more affordable option with a plastic back? Why not just keep the high end model and keep it maybe. Actually, that might be the issue. If they put a glass back on it, there'd be no real difference in pricing, I would guess. There'd be no reason to buy a new phone. I could see that, actually. Like, why would I buy the 20 if I can just buy the 20 FE for basically the same price, with basically (laughs) the same look, and the FE has has more specs. It has better specs. It has 5G in it. Yeah. Yeah, why would I ever go for the 20? That might be. I, I, I was gonna say though, the, the the S20 they have the whole camera setup that kind of is supposed to separate them. This one has a more, I guess, conventional camera setup if you want to call it that. Mm. It is interesting though because the Note 20, not the Note 20 Ultra, because the Note 20 Ultra starts at what is it, fourteen hundred dollars, thirteen hundred, somewhere around that yep. range. Yep. There's your uh, there's your Note edition yeah. <laughs> prices but for you. you. But then you have the Note 20, which starts at a thousand dollars. But also has a plastic back. In the maybe the worst phone to be released this year. <laughs> Just to be straight, like I don't understand for a thousand dollars why your phone is a plastic. I seven hundred. I you know I'll be fair. I'm actually a little bit more receptive to that price range having plastic back. I don't know why. It just it sounds nicer. But you throw a plastic back on at a thousand dollars, I start giving you a look. See, that is the thing. <laughs> It is a the price tag screams high end, but the yes. qual but the 
but the experience is low end. When you think of a plastic bag, I personally think of pixels. Or like, you know, like, well, didn't the Pixel 3 have a plastic bag? Yeah, the Pixel what? 3, I think? I don't know. Um, I think every... I want to say every Pixel has had a glass bag. Oh, that's not true. They did it. You're right. They did it at plastic. Maybe Pixel 2 had plastic. Mm. Pixel 1 had plastic. Okay. I forget if Pixel 3 did. I think they had a mix of glass and plastic because they had Panda. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Or is that Pixel 2? Right. Okay. Yeah, anyway, anyways. Okay, you're right. You're right. You got it. <laughs> Either way. But Pixel Pixel used to be that budget option, right? Were they ever budget? I think, well, they were kind of the go-to pick, I think, if you didn't want to spend over $500 on a phone or something, I believe, at some I thought point. The- I thought the Pixels were always, like, the Nexus wasn't super expensive, but I thought the Pixels have been super expensive. Like, they, they were meant to compete at flagship level. Really? I, I thought so. Maybe I might be wrong about that. I don't remember much from Pixel 1 or Pixel 2 at this point, price-wise, but mm. Pixel 3, 4, and, well, not so much 5, four, 3 and 4, at least, were definitely meant to be flagships, so. Hmm, Okay. Maybe I'm thinking so, of the wrong phone line. But I, 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 but I get what you're going for. Yeah, no. Like, could, the yeah. plastic back screams budget option. It does not scream, I am going to spend $1,000 on a phone. The 20 no. FE can get away with it because it is sub $1,000. And it has a lot of good specs. So it has, you know it has where everything. your going. Yeah. <laughs> Versus the Note. I, the Note series... That's the issue with the Note series. They put so much money into the S Pen technology, it just bumps the price tag up to a ridiculously high amount. I don't think... I was thinking about... Okay, so we have the S20 line, which goes all the way to the same price as a Note 20 Ultra, right? Okay. So consider this. Basically, at the, for the S20 Ultra in particular, and the Note 20 Ultra, they basically have the same price tag... The only difference being you get a pen on one and not a pen on the other. <laughs> like that. Hmm. So that, that pen doesn't seem to be equating to that much value in Samsung's mind anyways. It Maybe seems like... are that expensive then. <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, the Note 20 Ultra has no glass back. Or it does have glass back. It does have glass back. Right. It has the... What do they call The satin finish glass back. Yeah. yeah. Fancy. Um... But I don't, yeah, maybe the glass pack is worth $300. The glass pack is just the most expensive part of your phone, and no one has realized it up until now. You know, we didn't talk that much about the Pixel 5. It doesn't have a glass back or a plastic back, but it can wirelessly charge through, like, metal. That's fascinating. Yes. Wow. That may be the most interesting part of that whole phone. I don't know if it's... Especially since they released a Pixel 4a 5G. Like, I don't get Google strategy. They're basically cannibalizing themselves. <laughs> like, we're at that point now. I, but I will say, S20 FE, I kind of like it. It's a little bit different. It's, you know, but it's, it's good different, you know? Um... But all right, we're going a little long, but we're just going to finish up with our last topic because we said we would get to Mac, what do you call our Mac, Apple Silicon Mac, I'm going to say it by the proper name, and Surface Pro X 2. 
Now, I lump these two in the same category because they both use the ARM architecture, which is so fascinating to me. And also, now there's a whole nother there's a whole other competitive space, basically, right? Mm-hmm. So, what's interesting about both these devices, if you haven't been keeping up with uh, Apple Silicon, basically that's going to be switching all the Macs to ARM, which early in the podcast I said we'd come back to that. What that means is basically right now, I wouldn't buy an Intel Mac until you see the ARM Macs. And the only reason I say that is because the last time this happened with PowerPC to Intel, PowerPC Macs basically lost all support after four years. There was nothing for them left. So in that same vein, I imagine Apple's going to be pushing for you to go to Apple Silicon. And after, after four years, I can't see a reason that they would continue supporting Intel stuff. So just be aware, throwing that warning out there. We don't know that for sure, but I'm going to take a, a guess looking back at history. Either way, what's interesting is these will be more power efficient. Theoretically, they could have as much power, if not more. And, uh, you know, they might run a little cooler, so no more fan noise. If you're into that, I'm into that. Patrick Same. might be into that. Yeah. No, I'm so tired of fan noise. <laughs> so... That's the amazing thing from Apple Silicon. Microsoft's been actually working with this for a few years. Actually, the original Surface RT that did flunk back in the day, that computer did actually have an ARM CPU in it. I believe it was, I want to say it was a Qualcomm or NVIDIA chip. I can't remember off the top of my head. Doesn't matter at this point. We're in the Pro X area now where they're doing the same things as Apple. But Apple, Apple on Apple, Windows on ARM has struggled a little bit because it wasn't capable of emulating x86 programs before. This is actually opposite to Apple, who their intention is as soon as you get an ARM Mac, you should be able to run most of your x86 programs straight onto the Mac by basically uh, translating it from x86 to Apple Silicon. That's the idea anyways. Microsoft's going a little different. They're just going to emulate it straight on to the on Windows, and then anything that it can't emulate or anything that is 32-bit, it'll basically use the 32-bit version. So basically, what this comes down to is this is going to be pretty amazing if ARM can actually manage to take off in the laptop sector, where I think they could actually have a huge effect. I mean, no fan noise. That's a big one for me. Mm-hmm. That's all I want. I mean. So I just kind of laid that all out. And Patrick, let me ask you. Mm -hmm. If you could switch to an ARM laptop today, would you? Knowing that it might not be compatible with everything, but you'd get more battery and less heat. Definitely. I mean, I would not. The laptop space seems to have been made for ARM. I don't know any consumer who wouldn't go for ARM knowing the benefits. But you wouldn't be able to run pretty much any x86 programs at all, keeping that in mind. I mean, you might be able to emulate them, but as you know, emulation is... It's a little finicky, true. Yeah. It's, it makes it a little difficult, but like still, I think the trade-off is going. very well earned. Well, because in my mind, a laptop should not replace a desktop. Mm. I in my head they both have their own very important different distinctions of what they're doing desktops should do a lot of heavy pulling they should be able to handle anything you throw mm-hmm. at them right 
laptops, they can get away with it. They can get away with not being able to do some stuff because they're a laptop. A fair argument. You know, they're, they're supposed to be portable. And I think part yeah. of that portability is an issue with cooling. And that portability leads an issue with heating and all that stuff. So it's like, I think ARM was made for laptops. And from my point of view, right? Like, our laptops yeah. deserve ARM variants. I, like, it solves the fact that your fan will be worrying if, you know, like, you put any load on your laptop. <laughs> yes. If your laptop, you like, you can't throw heavy stuff at it anymore. But, I mean, who really was doing that? I mean, you might be able to still throw some heavy stuff. I mean... A great example is like the iPad, which is ARM based uh, on Apple's. I don't know if they call the iPad stuff Apple Silicon, but we're gonna roll with it. That device is capable of video rendering and audio editing up to uh, up to 4K even 4K 60. So, and it has no fan. Keep in mind, it's all it's cooled basically through a metal frame touching the air essentially. So. I mean, there is the possibility you would be able to do some heavy loads on an ARM chip on a, a laptop. Hmm. So, I mean, I don't know. It's going to be... I'm excited. I, honestly, even if Apple fails here, I'm excited because now the rest of the industry is going to look that direction and be like, wait, ARM? Maybe. Yeah. A solution. I, I actually do agree with that, too. ARM might have that kind of a comeback, or not comeback, but they might take oh, a, they yeah. might take a foothold <laughs> in the industry with this. I, I think. I mean, let, I think it's a good possibility. I mean, let me ask you: if what? So in particular, because Microsoft, while they have been supporting ARM for a little bit, it hasn't been their main focus. But now it's going to be Apple's main focus. Would you consider getting something like a MacBook because it has an ARM chip in it? It'll be quieter, it'll be potentially faster, and with less heat. And a Mac? Yeah. Hmm. Because they're going to have their Apple Silicon going in Macs. That's true. I'm just thinking, like... I'm not sure if I really care that much. Because mm. Apple already has their heating stuff kind of down pat, right? They're already using a very quiet way to cool their laptops as is. I mean, they don't. Uh, the MacBook Air was interesting because the fan wasn't over the heatsink of their CPU. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> so, I mean, and and to be fair, I'm not entirely blaming Apple for that. I do feel like maybe that's partially Intel's fault. Like, Intel's just kind of been incapable of delivering chips that don't get hot. We're just going to be honest. Yeah. So. I I mean, it's a. Yeah. I guess it is necessary for them to compete then. I mean, yeah. Like, I, no, I don't think there's any other reason for them to go to ARM other than to compete with the Intel uh, computers. I think just cut out Intel. Honestly, I. Listen, I like Intel. They've done some really great things. I think what they design is great. Thunderbolt in particular was a very impressive feat of engineering. 
but uh, their CPUs run hot and don't give much benefit for running same heat. Yeah, if we're gonna be honest. Mm-hmm. I think uh, Intel CPUs need to go sit in the corner for a bit and uh, think about mm-hmm. how little they've done for a little <laughs> bit. That's not to say that they were never good, and that's not no, to say that no. they aren't good. No, they just aren't pulling their weight in comparison to ARM. When you're competing, because in in the market we are currently in, I, I don't think it comes down to do you have a good product. I don't think it matters because I think everyone is, has a good product. I think the question is, are you the best product, though? Yes. Or a better product, for the matter. That I believe in this kind of a marketplace, that is exactly yeah. what they're looking for. I mean, like, I don't know, like... I mean, you're a consumer. If, let's say, you have two laptops in front of you, one has bigger numbers than the other, you're gonna what are you going to go for? Number one. You know, yeah. you, you, Same price and everything. I think people are settling less now. They won't settle yeah. for less. They want the best. No, you want a better. Pro- we you always want the better product. And I honestly, AMD coming back into this is awesome. I would love to see it if there was a third phone manufacturer out there with their own OS and all that. I mean, I guess there's Solaris, but a real phone manufacturer. A real phone manufacturer that isn't yeah. Windows. Yeah, that could compete with. Well, actually, Windows, Mac OS, Linux. We have those three. It'd be amazing to see someone that could compete with the likes of Android and iOS too, though, because that market is so closed and really hasn't had to move in such a long time. It's just that competition, though. I mean, look, AMD is back and crushing it. They're they're killing it right now, and hopefully with Nvidia, maybe they can push Nvidia to do a little better too. Like everyone, when someone does better, everyone does better. That's always the that's the dream. And, hope, and maybe ARM will push AMD and Intel to consider power more on a laptops. Uh, you know, you want that battery. Yeah. But all right, we've run a little bit over time, but I think it was I think it was fun. We had a lot of fun with that one. Yeah. Um, but anyways, we're gonna go ahead and we're gonna end the podcast here. Follow us, subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. We're on pretty much all of them. Anchor.fm slash a talk. Um, follow us on the social medias, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and uh, check our new YouTube channel. There, sh- I by the time this is posted, there should be two videos up there. I want to say maybe three. I don't. I think only two, right? Correct if I'm wrong there. I think only I two. If not, well, now you know there should. Yeah. You, you, if you only see one, you got something in store for you. Exactly. See, spot. Giving you, I'm giving you the. the I'm hanging the carrots. We're giving so you the that, insider you know, info. Yeah, the insider. Three, we got three in production. But anyways, guys, uh, leave us comments, constructive criticism. We love it. And with that, I think we're all good. Patrick, yeah. you have anything else you want to add on? Uh, nothing else, really. All right. Then with that, we're going to go at an end. See you guys two weeks from now. Yeah. See y'all. Bye.